Good morning. Hopefully uh, you can see me. Um, good to see a couple of comments in the comments section. Uh, if you can hear me and see me, uh, please uh, let me know um, just so that I don't start this and uh, I'm just talking to myself. Um, excellent. So good morning. Uh, my name is uh, Kevin Taylor and I'm the uh, pastor of the Elam Church in Bubush in Crawley. Uh, good to have a thumbs up from Barry. Thank you, Barry. Um, so I'm the, I'm the pastor. Um, you may have known, um, unless you're living under a rock or in a desert, like a, um, some sort of a desert father. Um, that on Wednesday, the UK Parliament passed this law. Um, in normal times, church would be up in arms, so it just said, you know what, churches, uh, can you not uh, gather together? Uh, in your buildings uh, for corporate uh, worship. I mean, obviously that normally that would be a, an outrage to our civil liberties and uh, things, but uh, that was the uh, law passed. Um, and the idea was you now for a month or so uh, that we don't come together um, and room is made for the sort of uh, ex the worst of this pandemic to die down. So, um, we try and obey the law wherever reasonable and, and uh, so we've sort of conceded the point uh, with that. Um, and also, um, of all the things the church stands for, it's uh, compassion and love and looking out for and protection for the vulnerable. And uh, in, this, in these times, it's uh, the, the vulnerable that, that, that get battered the worse, those least comfortable off, those uh, least prepared to deal with these sort of circumstances are exposed. So uh, we want to uh, sort of add our efforts to those uh, everywhere else about sort of protecting uh, the people. And uh, we'll do it as long as it takes, you know. Um, December is a, uh, a possible end point, but it is not for certain. Just checking this text isn't, uh, says, uh, I can't hear you. Anyway, um, so we're going to do this thing online. So I'm going to stream like I used to uh, on YouTube Live from 10.30 for sort of half an hour, 45 minutes uh, a talk. Um, it would be great if you could pile in to the comment section with sort of uh, responsive uh, hallelujahs and amens or other scripture. Um, if uh, you've got a point to make, uh, perhaps... Uh, uh, address me specifically in a, in a text or an email or something uh, if you've got a criticism just so that we can talk about it um, and uh, just so that there's that uh, just sense of uh, glad and community coming together. Um, it also be really helpful um, to have your Bible and a notebook ready whether it's uh, on your phone on your uh, sort of tablet or an actual physical notebook and Bible. These uh, practices mean that you, that sermons don't just wash over you, but you take them in and write them down. And it's better for your learning, better for your discipleship. Um, and uh, it's just more intentional uh, in your following of Jesus. So uh, feel free to just dive off and get those if you haven't got them ready. Um, at 11.30, um, we're going to dive into Zoom. Uh, we'll come together for communion. We're going to come together for worship. We're going to have some live worship. Um, I'm going to have prayer and those fellowship via breakout rooms. Um, we've got lots of volunteers that have finally agreed uh, to come in. Um, so it will feel uh, more like a, 
a body with lots of people contributing rather than some sort of dictatorship uh, where I uh, do everything. So that's really good. Um, and, and so look forward to that. And if you've got some bread and some grape juice, uh, we might have to resort to sort of uh, sliced bread here at the Taylor household and a, and a cup of Ribena, but uh, whatever it takes uh, to come together over communion, that would be really good. Um, during the week, we've got Alpha uh, and our prayer meeting. Uh, so you've got no excuse not to be able to make uh, uh, other meetings as well. If, uh, if that's something that you're up for, you're invited to those. If at this time, you know, you're perhaps working from home uh, and you are sort of uh, feeling that um, compassion for other people um, at this time rather than being self-centered, just encourage you to check out the uh, Love Your Neighbour initiative um, that is sort of being run nationally um, and uh, in Crawley. It's been sort of catered for by St. John's Church. They're hoping to release it. I was listening to the pastor of St. John's, Steve, and he was saying, you know, we're going to try and make it something that all the churches are part of rather than just one. So perhaps think about volunteering for that. We've got a few people already up for that. Um, we as a community, we already um, give to... Uh, a local charity called Easter Team uh, and uh, they give out food and Love Your Neighbour will be plugging into them and we also give to Lighthouse which uh, uh, um, ministers to schools and in this time and this day and age uh, it's a really good uh, thing to uh, be part of so perhaps uh, think about those. It's worth saying that if you struggle with anything over lockdown you know things don't go well for you and uh, you know what um, it's it's one of those things and then please don't hesitate to call us please don't hesitate to get in touch and uh, and, and let us know what is going on so that, that we can uh, uh, help you um it's uh, fascinating so uh, um, i was just thinking we've already bought food uh sort of uh more than a week shopping for one family we bought electricity uh, for someone else that was struggling uh someone else needed legal advice and we've been uh, been able to push them into that um, and this afternoon, I'm off to buy cat food. So while I don't get on with cats, we're off to buy cat food uh, for someone who's self-isolating. So uh, there's always opportunities. And uh, 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 please be on the lookout. Look after your neighbour. Look out after your family. Um, and, and hopefully uh, this time uh, won't see any casualties um, and that we'll be alert to each other's needs. Um, excellent. So that's kind of the notices. Uh, um down. Um, I'm just going to sort of move on from that. Now, during the week, um, I was trying to tell someone how amazing Jesus is. Uh, I love my saviour and uh, it's a theme I want to very quickly and it's uh, wonderful to talk about the freedom he brings and the purpose and the hope for the future uh, and uh, just how uh, knowing him just sort of changes your perspective on everything and uh, 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 life is better with him. And uh, when he says, I'm the gate that uh, brings you freedom, it's uh, a reality that I certainly enjoy. Um, and the opportunities to tell other people about Jesus don't often come up as much as I'd like. It's often a case of... Um, I was a pastor, we will shut up about religion, close down any conversation and talk about something neutral. But um, 
this occasion rose up and I seized it with both hands. It was something uh, that I was really hoping to sort of engage with and, and see some success. Um, however, as, as the conversation went on, um, I encountered like this this rather stubborn resistance. It, it, it didn't seem sort of uh, well articulated or thought through. And uh, they, they had this throwaway line where they dismissively said that uh, much of Christianity has been disproved already. You know, uh, this faith you're talking about, you know, uh, science already thrown it on the rubbish heap uh, along with uh, lots of other ideas. Now, I'm pretty familiar uh, with lots of different arguments uh, against God, against the Bible, against Jesus, against Christians. Um, and I'm uh, very familiar with all the objections as well. Um, and uh, so I asked if they would go through these inaccuracies, you know, these glaring errors that science has exposed in my faith and uh, if we could go through them one by one I said it would, it, it would just be great to, to hear what you have to say. Um, the person uh, replied um, that I'd have to really sit down you know I'd have to be ready for a long conversation that would go on for many hours um, and you know what I obviously wouldn't want that um, but what I did, I, I just grinned. I grinned happily. The idea of talking about Jesus for hours and hours just seemed wonderful. So I sort of grinned, eased back, um, put my hands behind my bed and said, you know, I would love to speak about Jesus for hours and hours. That just seems a, a really worthwhile uh, use of my time. And the look uh, they gave was like, oh. And they were utterly disconcerted that I was well up for spending hours and hours uh, talking about Jesus and they didn't expect that at all and it stumped them and you could hear this utter pause in the uh, uh, conversation. Uh, um, so they uh, started bluffing and uh, fumbling around in their mind for anything that they could use um, and what they came up with uh, was a rather uh, poor um, memory of uh, just some church leaders uh, that had made a, a bad comment once in their life. Um, and um, I came back as, uh, as quick as a whip and was saying, you know, like Christians failing, that doesn't undermine Christianity. You know, we have this beautiful truth that has uh, uh, persevered um, and it survived sickness and poverty, torture, failure, confusion, persecution, ridicule. All these things have been thrown at Christianity and yet it has survived. And and uh, just a, a couple of uh, uh, bad experiences doesn't undermine such a, a comprehensive truth for 2000 years. And uh, as I was talking, as I was warming to my subject, I began to think uh, uh, about uh, bringing them to faith, about the words that I would use to bring them into new life, how uh, uh, the Holy Spirit would fill them. We're sort of planning um, how discipleship would work under lockdown and the, uh, uh, what the chance of uh, squeezing in a baptism uh, during this time uh, would be. And as I, I was plotting and planning, um, and uh, the person I was talking to um, suddenly decided they had bitten off far more than they could chew. They, they hadn't really reckoned for any sort of testing of what they said. And they quickly backed down um, and they made these rather uh, bland remarks about the US 
election and, and the sort of, sort of the subject passes down and we continued sadly to talk about various trivialities you know things from the news and whatever as they backed away uh from the assertions that they'd made earlier and uh as we talked um i was sort of bath um battered by a number of different emotions because you know I, I was concentrating on what had been said i i rattled at the disappointment and not, not being about talking about jesus so much uh that we say during the week has little to no importance and there was this chance to talk about jesus to go through some of the stories he's involved with to explore the implications of him living and dying and rising again as well as disappointment there was there was sadness you know that this person wasn't ready to make the transition into new life they weren't ready to be a new creation they weren't ready to accept jesus as their savior they weren't ready to repent and they weren't ready to enter the kingdom of god and, and there's an inevitable sadness when a conversation uh, uh tantalizing touches that and then falls away but and this was unusual for me, um, as well as that disappointment and sadness, I felt unusually angry. Um, the person I was talking to was dismissing everything I believed in, but they weren't doing it in a thoughtful or considerate way. They were doing it in a lazy, off-handed way. Um, and they were using an excuse that was more of a convenience rather than anything personal to them. And uh, I, and I, I started to sort of think on that more and more and more. And it was, was Jesus not worth a little more thought? Was he not worth a little more of their time? Did, um, did the existence of churches and Christians and all the charities that they've set up and the worldwide church that does all sorts of good and uh, all the different things that it has uh, defended uh, the vulnerable from, does that not lend itself to sort of careful and reasoned argument? Shouldn't the person have a little bit more to offer than uh, this thoughtless throwaway argument? And uh, there was that feeling in my um, in my heart. How dare they? Who do they think they are? I wonder how you would have felt. I wonder how you do feel when you encounter the resistance. Anyway, I sort of ended uh, the conversation sooner rather than later, uh, just because those emotions bubbling away in me. And I calmed down over time. And as I was thinking things over, I um, was struck once again by a passage that we've uh, recently encountered in our church Bible reading plan. Uh, hopefully you are very well aware that we've been going through all of Paul's letters in this uh, 90 day reading plan that you can find on the website. And, and it's really good part of a, a disciplined walk with Jesus. Um, and so we've been doing it since the beginning of September and, and we're in November now. And we've uh, finally reached uh, the book, of, uh, the book Paul wrote to the Ephesians. And uh, last Sunday, you may remember, I read uh, this. Ah, oh, there it is. Knew my Bible was here somewhere. So last week um, I read this Ephesians three verse ten. His intent 
was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. We get this extraordinary cosmic scale to the Christian life. It's not just about waiting to die. It's not about just trying to remain saved. Paul tells us the Christian life involves witnesses from the spiritual realm looking at us and us emanating the wisdom of God. And, and we have this reality that we cannot see with our eyes. With a reality that we can't prod and poke, but uh, we're told about and that we see uh, different effects from. And as you think on that, as we think on the church being this broadcast to the heavenly realms of God's wisdom, move on to uh, Ephesians chapter 6. It says this in verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the, and do you notice this word, heavenly realms. And suddenly Paul is referring to the same thing here. God's wisdom is proclaimed through the church and these heavenly realms fight back. Our declarations as a church are broadcasting of God's wisdom means that we are involved inevitably in warfare. We stick our heads above the parapet and suddenly we become target practice. It is not primarily other people that we stand in opposition to. We stand in opposition to hostile supernatural beings. wonder how you feel about that. Because that is the reality presented in the Gospels. The reality presented in Paul's epistles. Let me read a little bit more in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, it says this in Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live. Why did we used to live? Like that. Paul goes on. When you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And we have the heavenly realms here. The, uh, the devil, Satan, whatever you want to call him, his minions. That used to be our Lord when we, uh, before we were Christians. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. He is bringing disobedience. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Beings that were once angels now work 
in and amongst humanity, not for good, not for God's purposes, but to distort the image of God. These uh, heavenly beings uh, look to undo what God has done. They try and seek to bring about disobedience, immorality and selfishness. These things that are the opposite of God. These things that are the opposite of the healthy life. Before each of us confessed Jesus as Lord, we were in the thrall uh, to the Prince of the Air. This Prince who reigns just for a moment on earth. We listened to him and did what he said. And those that are not believers still... They're still under his despotic reign and rule. They are still ruled in their uh, feelings and in their passions by this destructive force that will in the end uh, cause them to be objects of wrath. The person with the excuse for not loving Jesus is not our ultimate enemy. They are just obliging victims. It is the supernatural entities that blind them, that lie to them, that confuse them, that distract them. They are enemies. They're the ones that can excite rage and indignation and horror at them. I don't think people can be argued into repentance. It takes a work of the Holy Spirit to uh, open up their eyes, to uh, make the darkness recede for the light to come in for understanding and revelation to occur but while we can't argue someone into the kingdom uh, we can pray and talk in alignment with the spirit listen to him uh, so that he can work in their lives and, and that is our goal and and that is our work so last week uh, we were uh, enjoying the extraordinary luxury of a meeting together you know we were taking it for granted perhaps some of us were like oh you know uh i, I really wish we could still sing together and this that and the other uh, but now it just seems a luxury doesn't it going back into the barn um and uh, so uh, for our last uh, week in the barn we looked at the definition of ecclesia or church and we saw it wasn't the building at all we discovered in on one level uh it could mean the gathered christians uh sort of people that come together in one area it could also mean the christians in a region so perhaps you can say the christians of crawley or west sussex or the uk but ultimately the best and widest definition of church uh especially in paul's writings is that it's all believers everywhere through all times who trust in Jesus. And so you get this very expansive, wide understanding of him. And uh, it goes back into the Old Testament to the patriarchs who didn't know the name of Jesus as such, but trusted that God would make a way to save them. And it reaches uh, into the New Testament and through 2000 years of church history. And it reaches into the future for those that God has in his mind that will come that will love him too and it's wonderful hopefully for us to conceive of ourselves as part of this glorious throng of people 
this massive body that demonstrates God's wisdom and, and uh, it can get us away from this sort of parochial idea of our little church, our little congregation, when we see that we are all part of this universal or Catholic church. Um, but despite this grand vision, despite all this uh, uh, idea of church being that, we're in this second lockdown and we can feel isolated again I certainly feel isolated stuck in my study at the side of the house uh, away from all of you who I enjoy talking to in person or in Sunday meetings and uh, um, there is this ministry of presence that we have to each other you know just being near each other and beside each other and alongside each other uh, in meetings and stuff is a uh, that solidarity is now you know uh, we may all be fighting our own battles but we're in this together you are not alone you know the faith that you have I have too and I love Jesus as well and uh, all of that gets diluted whether you like it or not by digital uh, uh, devices and uh, digital screens you know this is not the same as coming together on a on a Sunday morning and, and we can feel again isolated and and sort of removed uh, from things and uh, as we look down the barrel of another time of solitude where we don't see each other I want to talk about the spiritual reality found in Ephesians 6 hopefully we have a good understanding of church but we can sometimes not feel that and uh, I want to use Ephesians 6 as a moment to prepare ourselves for the battles ahead because there will be different types of ones that each of us will face and often these will be specifically tailored uh, and individually uh, um, prepared for us where our own passions and idiosyncrasies are exposed to the the enemy's devices and uh, before we look at this before we look at how to withstand this spiritual warfare. I want to uh, read, um, in some ways they're fun words, but in other ways they're hellish words. These are, uh, um, this is uh, uh, some text written. Um, you may know C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape Letters. Well, this is a, uh, a, a different attempt to do the same thing and uh, the words are imagining how a senior devil would relate to a uh, junior devil that is tempting someone and, and as you listen to this I want you to uh, just think about the different ways um, that you're exposed to spiritual warfare and trains of thought that are unhealthy and counterproductive and damaging. So uh, this is uh, Peter Crafe's The Snake Bite Letters um, and it says this Nearly every single movie that's made for young people must have a dash of nudity, no matter how gratuitous. And of course, never, never between married people. And every time a boy first kisses a girl, the next scene always shows him in bed. What a triumph of image propaganda. The lesson it bores into them unconsciously, like holes bored in the hull of a ship, is so obvious. I'm surprised they don't get bored with it. That that normal, the natural, the inevitable corollary of kissing is copulating. Notice the power of images, brain twister. 
think that's the devil he's writing to. Not even a professor uh, could be fool enough to fall for that as an argument. Put it in words and it is ridiculous. Put it in images and it is compelling. Thus we've persuaded them to rationalise their lust, to believe their feeling, to believe that feeling, not marriage, justifies sex. Most of them don't believe in infidelity, but they do believe in fornication. The only strictures they put on copulating are emotional maturity and commitment, which are vague enough for anyone but an infant to claim. Before we go to the next one, uh, it's uh, coming up to uh, 11 o'clock and uh, sort of people all around the country are sort of taking a, a minute silence. Um, and we're going to just do that um, and um, just as in respect to all the people that have lost their lives and uh, all the uh, atrocities that have done and, and, and sort of pray for that. Please bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we come in uh, mourning and sadness at the memory of so many wars, so much killing, so much pain and torture and uh, Lord God we long that we would be ambassadors of peace and love 
in our own time. And Jesus, we say, come, Lord, come and make new that which we've wrecked. Lord God, just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And so we're uh, just sort of continuing going through uh, these uh, sort of mischievous takes on a senior devil's writing to a junior devil. And, and I just want, I, I think I always think there's a, an element of insight into what happens on our own lives and the own whispers. And uh, 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 certainly um, the the images in Hollywood, which we've just sort of uh, uh, just read about are, are potent undermining of sort of uh, years of Christian moral teaching that many sort of fall into. Um, right. Let me read another bit, a little bit. Uh, some of them you'll find provocative, some of you won't. The enemy is indeed, as his book says, a consuming fire. Keep your victim at the outer edges of that fire, where it burns. If he turns, repents and plunges into the heart of that fire, he'll find that it's just the opposite of earthly fire. The closer he gets to its centre and source, the less it burns and the more it heals. It's a lovely turn of phrase, isn't it? closer you get to God, the less he burns and the more he heals. I assume you know strategic principle number 77. Before they sin, make them think only of God's mercy, not his justice. After they, after they sin, make them only of his justice, not his mercy. The enemy wants exactly the opposite. If we can get them to think only of justice after they've sinned, they'll think of punishment fear and thus avoiding fear thus a turning away from the doctor justice is his diagnosis mercy is his cure keep them from the cure by never letting them connect the diagnosis with the cure and we just have this just this very clever way of bending our mind to particular uh, elements of God's nature when it is least helpful these uh, uh, demons and heavenly realms get ups to um, and now uh, this one uh, last one that I wanted to sort of bring I like this the Sabbath commandment to take leisure is the only commandment which is always an immediate joy for them to obey both outwardly and inwardly it's like a take five from a conductor or a job foreman so we've bent our backs to bend their noses to the grindstone. We've made their age the age of anxiety. I think that's true. We've gotten them to the state where they simply can't comprehend the enemy's son command to be anxious for nothing. Anxiety is the very air they breathe now. How could he tell them to hold their breath? fascinating isn't it i find that uh very poignant especially in these times where we're encouraged to to worry and fear and plan and plot and uh the sabbath is kind of a counter to that
And uh, this one is kind of a little bit mischievous at the end. When children see happy, confident parents, they too learn to trust and relax and become fertile soil for the enemy's seeds. But when the children see worried and unhappy parents, they unconsciously learn the lesson that life is a problem to be resented, not a mystery to be explored. And their souls become hard, rocky ground, hard for the enemy's seat to take root in. Incredible words there. And there are a lot more actually we could explore, but I want to sort of present to you and, and, and sort of expose the enemy's lies and, and how it's not always uh, sickness and death, that that's like the enemy's weapons, but he uses other means to twist our thinking, to be like that snake right in the beginning where he questions God's motives and questioned God's sovereignty and questioned God's goodness and love. And uh, uh, we need to be prepared for that and ready for that and aware um, that that uh, can take root in our thinking if that we are not uh, perceptive. So we hear this cleverness that is weaponized against humanity. And you and I, we have to be prepared to deal with it. We have to be perhaps more prepared when we're in isolation, where we don't get that sense of community, don't get that sense of fellowship, don't get that sense of help from the people around us because we can't see them physically. Uh, and so I'm going to close with the passage that we're going to look at for a few more weeks uh, coming. And it's right at the end of Ephesians, and I've already read some of it, and it's this. Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, his twisting of thinking. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. What are we going to do? How do we stand firm? How do we prepare for this? Put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth, buckled round your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So over the next weeks, we will be looking um, at this spiritual armour. We'll be looking what it means to put on these things and what they constitute and how they help us. And uh, hopefully over the weeks, we will be uh, better prepared to withstand as we are in isolation, the enemy's attacks and stand firm as uh, God's soldiers in this fight where we constantly broadcast his wisdom. Let me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you 
for saving us. We thank you for calling us to yourselves. We thank you for saving out, us out of darkness and blindness and ignorance. And uh, Lord God, bringing us truth and light and freedom. Lord God, I pray for each and every one of us as we go through this time of uh, lockdown that you would help us, help us be rigorous in following you, help us read our Bibles, help us pray, help us connect with other people from the church virtually. Lord God, I pray that, uh, um, that our faith will be no less vibrant and uh, no less part of our daily habits during this time. And Lord God, I pray that we would be well prepared for the enemy's fiery arrows and that when we come out of lockdown, that we will be stronger, more familiar with the armour of God, better equipped to win this uh, uh, spiritual battle against the hostile heavenly realms. Uh, Lord God, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.